dead. Are you gaming with me? Sweet. Stretch. Sweet stretch. Are you gaming with me? Are you gaming with me? Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sweet Strats, episode 12. Ghost Stories. I'm Harley. I'm Matt. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Zach. And uh, if you want to connect with us socially, you can check us out on Facebook to search Sweet Strats. Uh, we're at Sweet Strats on Twitter. And uh, now, if you just search us on YouTube, you'll find Sweet Strats Enhanced, uh, where you can watch us uh, play board games. Uh, as parts of the podcast are given out, it's easier if you want to share a conversation you heard on here. It's not the whole podcast. It'll just be one discussion of a game. Uh, so check us out on there. Give us a subscription so we can get an actual channel name. Um, so Harley's giving me the stink face. <laughs> well, I'm just, don't we, isn't it Sweet Stress? Isn't that our actual channel name? That's the channel name, but you can't get the, uh, the, um, Vanity URL without a hundred subscribers. Oh, you like we need it. We need it. We need it. Hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> we need that bronze play button. So if we got a hardcore fan out there that uh, don't hire some, uh, well, not hiring nothing. Well, you're not going to get paid. You, you get thanked. <laughs> but if we got a hardcore fan out there that wants to make a hundred accounts. Get after it. <laughs> don't encourage that. <laughs> no, I don't do that. <laughs> all right so we've been having a time <laughs> yeah uh, we got beef with dumpy yeah <laughs> so uh, i'm gonna send it to my main man harley see what he's been having a time with well i almost want to do my corn wrap <laughs> but we can't oh so well you know what i hate this when you throw it to me because i ain't ever been doing anything be ready to catch yeah, i can't get be ready to catch ain't nothing to catch you know what i have been doing Waiting on my scythe uh, confirmation. I'm getting a little bit mad. Getting mad in my shoes, folks. Let me tell you. Yep. Everybody else playing it besides this. Yeah. Everybody looking at it and talking about how it's so sweet in the comments. Mmm. Making me angry. Don't like it. I won't be playing it because we're supposed to be doing the, the. That's supposed to be our next show. Just uh, play Settlers instead. Settlers of Catan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Settlers of Catan with robots. With robots wouldn't make it any better. You know what? You know what makes that better? Fire. <laughs> <laughs> now we handle well. Haven't been playing a lot of games. Haven't been playing no magic. Got the dog barking in the background. Sure, they're gonna come through. Uh, the what was it? I guess the last game day we went to, we got to play uh, Lords of Waterdeep and what else? I don't know. Anyways, it obviously wasn't that great. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that memorable, I guess. <laughs> I, just, I just scrambled to remember the stuff we played this, this last uh, Saturday. <laughs> it's rough. It, I, I, I think about it uh, when, when, when it comes this every time. And it has to go around the table before I start thinking of things that we've been doing because I don't remember it. And <laughs> I don't know why. So I must be like, you know, I can tell you what we just did. We watched Having a Time by Dumpy. <laughs> I recommend not watching that. <laughs> this is making my own self laugh. <laughs> what about my main man, Matt? What have you been doing? 
Uh, I've had a couple of good game days the past couple of Saturdays. We had our 4th of July weekend blowout this past Saturday. Uh, played a lot of light stuff early on. Been playing some Greedy Greedy Goblins. It's the Richard Garfield's latest game. It's a pretty good little uh, real-time tile scramble game is the best way to put it, really. Like uh, Galaxy Trucker? Um, sort of similar, except you're... You got a bunch of face-down tiles that are in the middle that are a combination of, like, gems, dynamite, and other stuff. And just real-time, there's a bunch of mines that surround it. And you just take... And just real-time, everybody scrambles for tiles in the middle, looks at one, places it on any of the mines. And you get points based on the number of gems you got. If you put more than, like, three dynamite in a mine, it blows up. So a lot of times you don't know if you're placing on a dangerous mine or a safe mine or stuff like that. It's a pretty fun little game. It, it, uh, it plays really pretty fast. Uh, played a lot of Trick Takers, Club Diamonds. Uh, played a good game of Lords of Vegas, which has quickly become one of my top ten games, probably. A really fun game. Um, that's about all we played this last Saturday. Still playing some Magic, too, of course. But what about main man Jeremy? Uh, not a whole lot, but they get to go to the, the July 4th game day. Uh, I think Melanie wants to pick up a copy of Lords of Vegas now, because she got to stick around and play it. Yeah, uh, yeah I just played a couple games in, and... Uh, Played some Commander last Sunday. Crash did some work for me. Got to sneak attack some folks. They weren't expecting it. <laughs> but otherwise, not much. A little bit of Overwatch. A lot of watching Netflix. Trying to relax. Mm. Yeah. Did you finish Bloodline? Man, Melanie still hadn't even watched the first three episodes. Oh, no, nah, man. I told her to catch up so I can get back on it. But nah, she's she been busy, too. So. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to start watching that now, too. It's on my watch list. I'm waiting on her. But she got to catch up. Yeah. Mm. Well, on that Netflix note, I've watched Spotlight three times since it's been on uh, Netflix. I don't know yeah. what it is about that, but I I, I like it, yeah, even finally, though it's a horrible subject. <laughs> yeah, I finally saw that a couple weeks ago. It was really, really good. good. Okay, I saw the screen for that one and read about it, about the church scandal. That yeah. Thing. Okay, yeah, I've been meaning to watch that too. Yeah, it, it's really good. All right, well, I've been playing... Overwatch, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I've still not finished my 10 placement matches for competitive. Me either. I think I got four. Maybe four. Uh, I've also been playing Watch Children eight hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> not a game I recommend. <laughs> playing the old dead. Yeah. <clears throat> Mr. Mom. Michael Keaton. Um I did you did you staple the whoopee? The what? The whoopee? No. What about fighting the uh, vacuum cleaner as Negative. it's going around the house? Negative. I have uh, uh, missed out on the, completely on the Steam Summer Sale due to poverty. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you, what would you have gotten? Silent killer. <laughs> I was going to get payday for five bucks. I was gonna get Rust for ten. Oh well, shit! I would have got you the. I would have got you payday too if you just told me. I know. I thought you already. You know when it. I remembered. I remembered when I was floating in the public pool on July fourth. Oh. The sale ended, um, and uh, yeah, haven't been playing anything. Yeah, the boat got uh, my Overwatch boat got sunk when Brandon didn't come down from Austin, so now I have to wait another month. Because I couldn't get the video card. Nah, that sucks. Yeah. Eh, well, you know what? I, I don't. I'm, I don't. I don't really, really feel like I'm missing much. Other than fun. just like, other than just like killing time. 
so I'd be having a time. It's fun. It's more. It's fun by itself. It's more fun with people. Uh, we ha- we did a uh, all mercy run. It's pretty funny. We just uh, damage boosted and, and had all of our heals on one guy who ran out with his pistol. We actually made it pretty far on payload map by doing that. Then we had to switch. We still lost. <clears throat> um, yeah, but that's it. I uh, played Ghost Stories five times. Yep. Uh, well, what else uh, What else I was going to say about Oh, what I actually did miss because uh, I feel like I, I missed out. Uh, Dead by Daylight. Yeah, I didn't pick that up because didn't have video card. It was only two bucks off. It wasn't. I mean, really, it's so new that the Steam sale is not totally worth it. Uh, I mm. have been playing Lunacy because my niece and nephew can play it and they like it. So it's a good game. It's pretty fun. They've been getting rolled by the kids. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Been taking it easy on them. <laughs> yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> that's what they all say when they get rolled and they're embarrassed. Yeah, if you trash the kids every time, they're not going to want to play. So you got to, you got to have that W every now and then. You know? got to, got to teach them hard knocks. <clears throat> yeah, you never let I them play ghost stories with his children. <laughs> <laughs> Learn the meaning of young disappointment. <laughs> Learn the meaning of not wanting to play board games ever again. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's everything that we've been really been doing, and it hadn't been a whole lot of anything. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's summer, so it's yeah. time to be outside and do things. Yeah, that's true. Board games. Well, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so I don't we strat. Don't play board games in the summer. <laughs> summer in Texas, you want to be inside. Hell yeah! Unless you want to be getting lit up at one hundred and nine, ninety degrees at two a.m. Oh, you know what? <laughs> we went over to uh, Zachary's uh, at four. On uh, Saturday, because we started to cook. On, on Sunday, because we started to cook out, it was 111. <laughs> that was like at four o'clock. Yeah, yeah, it it's blows. Tell you that. Tell you that right now, folks. <laughs> Church preach. <laughs> <laughs> I guess unless you're in Arizona, Arizona would be worse. Yeah, I heard they got up to about 120. Oh, Well, the good thing is, it's not like it's only like the dead middle of summer is when that happens. It seems. You right. better pray. Yeah. <laughs> With the wacky ass weather we have, they, we yeah. may be in uh, October and burning still be 100. Down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's not unusual. We had a re- very mild winter last winter. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely. And then the winter before that, we had a blizzard. Yeah. A literal blizzard. <laughs> Going outside, and you're like, oh, I actually have to shovel. I've never had to shovel snow in Texas before last year. <laughs> It was stupid. That's yeah, all. It was frozen over for like a week straight. Ugh. Hell yes, Good Lord! I got cabin fever that weekend. I like seriously got cabin fever because I couldn't leave the house for a week. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah, we're usually never trapped Ugh. unless it's by flash floods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it's like, do I ford this intersection <laughs> or do I wait? <laughs> Turn around, don't drown. No kidding. You want to keep your car? <laughs> All right, so coming up next is General Sweets Review. It's time for everybody's favorite part of the show, General Sweets Review. (laughs) Nah, just kidding. It's the boys. So this, uh, 
this week uh, we played Fast Flip by designer Ken Grohl and Quentin Weir. It was uh, published by uh, Blue Orange Games. So what do you guys think? I think it's a pretty fun little... It's a filler in every sense of the word to where it plays really fast. If somebody has very quick recognition skills, um, like our main man Jeremy here. That's an understatement. <laughs> or we played it with uh, Kinder Brandon, who is a speed reader, and just completely walled the floor with us. He's a speed reader? Yeah. What? He like he won like every single one that we flipped for the first time. We just like put it up and play something else because <laughs> it was just so. If you're good at like a quick recognition stuff, you'll you'll dominate face in this game. But that being said, it's still a pretty fun game. It's uh, it reminds me of a lot of like uh, Ghost Blitz, to where you're, you know, it's just all, everyone has just quick recognition options. You're trying to identify either the number of fruit on the picture or the uh, number of times the fruit is pictured. And you can play a few different variations of it. There's some tokens that you can use for a little dexterity element. But it's a, it's a good little filler. It's a, it's a good family game. I've heard a lot of good reviews from kids that play it a lot. So, Yeah, I mean, it does come from Blue Orange Games, yeah. our family game company. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think it's a really good filler. Uh, I'll probably end up picking up a copy at some point since I got the young ones. And they like that sort of thing. They had a lot of fun with Ghost Blitz, and it is, it's comparable. And... You don't have to be winning to have a good time in that game, just because of the <laughs> yeah the shenanigans. You flip the card instead of actually saying what you're supposed to. You just read the card. Yeah, three. Yeah, <laughs> good job, sir. <laughs> yeah, that was that was me. Flipped over five and said five. Thought of one. <laughs> <laughs> this is too easy. Too easy. <laughs> yeah, I give it a I give it an a plus. Especially, I think the value proposition is there because the price is right I, I could see this uh while you would probably wouldn't sit there and play it for hours you could play it with any group and have fun with it there's variations built into it um i think that i i, I hardly recommend this to buy also i thought the components were pretty cool i like tr- the little triangle cards it's kind of neat yeah uh, I thought the tokens felt good, grabbing them. You know, the only problem with the, those triangle cards is that it guarantees that you're going to have to buy another copy at some point. There's no way to protect it. You could laminate it. I mean, I guess you could, but you could just not cry when your $10 game gets ruined. Hey, <laughs> man, sometimes $10 is uh, all you got. <laughs> yeah. Just well, saying. You shouldn't I'm be just playing saying. Fruit Basket then. I wasn't playing Fruit Basket. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, if you only have $10, what are you playing Fruit Basket for? What are you talking about Fruit Basket? Yeah, Fruit Basket. Isn't that the name of this game? Fast Flip. <laughs> fruit's not even the name. <laughs> you know, we're not showing uh, the Fruit Basket dog. <laughs> I was about to say, playing Fruit Basket's a little X-rated. Yeah. <laughs> Especially involving one Heath Ramsey. There ain't no kidding. Or Shane okay. Ramsey. <laughs> well, let's do a little exercise here. Close your eyes, listener. <laughs> I almost closed my eyes and I was like, why am I closing my eyes? You're walking down an alley. So here we go. <laughs> Man comes out from behind a Jesus, dumpster with a gun. And he says, You either have to buy Ghost Blitz, Ghost Blitz. or Fast Flip. <laughs> what will it be? You must choose or I take your life. Now we answer. I would say Ghost Blitz for me, just because. It's got it's a little deeper of a game. It's got more variants and elements to it. 
especially if you play with like all the expansions all rolled together. Um, yeah, it's just, to me, it's a little more hilarious just with all the <laughs> ridiculous grabbing and guessing hilarious wrong answers. <laughs> it's like you just compare two different games every time. <laughs> they're not. They're not different though. They're the same. They're, oh yeah, they're the same, but. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess one's a little bit more simplified because it is it, the company. Well, Zotch is pretty. I mean, they're not, I don't think they're kids game oriented per se, but the I would say this is a lot better for. While it's good for everybody, I would say the target audience is probably meant for littler kids. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'd say. It's more family because I th- we I, we played it and had fun with it. It's not like is a frog scratching his ass and is a yellow get the towel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part of the reason I like about Ghost Blitz is that you start yeah. to add the weird rules that not yeah. everybody can keep straight at a moment's notice, and it just adds for more you know split second shenanigans where somebody grabs a card and. Really? You have to really double check to see are they right? Yeah, <laughs> is, it every- they- is everything. It checked out here correctly. It's it's just that whole aspect I like. They grab the card and the the frogs on there is like no, you're supposed to say it. <laughs> well, I think that. What so okay, I think Ghost Blitz does have more uh, longevity, uh, but it has a lot more interaction. Oh wow, Ghost Blitz is only fifteen bucks. Yeah, just get them both. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, wow. uh, on Amazon. Yeah, and no. Ghost Blitz too. Eighteen. You get a copy of that. Or seventeen. Okay. Sixteen ninety nine. I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna be. Wow, this is now turned into a general switch review for Ghost Blitz too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. I would go. If it was me. I would go. With the third, the third edition. Which doesn't mix with one and two, and it has the clock. Uh, it's called. Uh, you, you're only going to probably be able to find it on Amazon. In fact, you're probably going to be able to find all of them on Amazon. That was the only place I could get them. Uh, it's called uh, Five After Twelve. It's going to be in German, so you're going to look for Geist Blitz, uh, uh, Fünf uh, Wolf. That's what's that's what it's gonna say. Pretty much perfect if you don't speak German. Well well Fulf is five, Vor is uh I think after or before and then uh is uh twelve. Or Zwei yeah, Zwolf. I mean I took German, but it's been a long time. That's like that's the best I can do. So there we go. But anyways, yeah, I'd I'd go after that one. They always have the the rules in English, so you're not going to be messed around. But if you do get one and two, you can mix those together. But don't do it on your first try, because you'll be switching rooms and not knowing whether you grab the towel or the rug or the <laughs> or the bathtub or the comb or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> because there's like five wooden pieces in each box, and then you just uh, you have to grab something on the card. But I forget exactly how those rules go for the for the change in the room rule. But it was hilarious trying to teach Zachary that the <laughs> first time he ever played. <laughs> All right. Now, so, uh, listener, close your eyes. 
Pass flip. <laughs> you've you've chosen. The man puts away his gun. You live another day. Oh, you didn't put cracker on there. Cracker. <laughs> <laughs> trying to be inclusive. <clears throat> I watched a John Cena v- video about inclusivity today. Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, why does it just feel like the show's already off on the rails? Is <laughs> there <laughs> so anything else about fast? Oh, you know something else I'm going to talk about fast flip. Um, the colors of the strawberries and raspberries sure are pretty close. <laughs> yeah, that should have been blueberries instead of raspberries. Uh, I think the color element is very important to throw people off. Mm. <laughs> I have to. Agree with their their fruit and color choices because even you can even easily confuse the pineapple for the orange. You can possibly confuse the pineapple for the banana. I didn't have that problem. Not really, I but I can see where <laughs> some people could depend on the size. But maybe, yeah. but it always but the pineapple always had the green at the top, so you're always seeing two colors. Uh, if it's small, it could be easily confused. I think. Yeah. I don't know. The only problem that that was the only problem I had. That and the that and that that was it really, and the fact that I like to keep, try to keep my games is for try to keep the longevity of games. Try that hard, because like I said, sometimes ten dollars <laughs> is all you got. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, the other thing um, about it is uh, I like the the variants of grabbing the tokens a lot better uh, than just like flipping it and naming it and then uh, where you actually like laid the tokens out in a a crazy line or in a random line and then that's how you flipped and that's what you're identifying every time yeah I, I, I like, that, I like that a lot better yeah the only bad thing I can say about the game is I didn't really like the the variant where you're grabbing the tokens and then you gotta keep the tokens and you could potentially steal them away from somebody else yeah it's a nice idea, but unless you're playing on a really small table, you have almost no shot at grabbing the ones in front of your other players. So they yeah. can just reach out and just immediately grab it. So yeah, that's true. They did a better mechanic for like keeping the tokens in the middle while still like showing that you have them. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, there's different ways they could do it, I guess. But yeah, but other than that, yeah, I enjoy playing it. Uh, definitely something to pick up for. Uh, uh, Little ones or uh, family uh, or just a filler game. Everybody has a lot of fun. You know, there's always going to be somebody slipping up or they're going to be doing like me and say three all the time and just hope that, that works. Let's <laughs> <laughs> go the law of averages. <laughs> so, anything else? All right. Well, up next is Board Games on Trial. Every day, hundreds of games are released on the general population. Are they worth playing at max capacity? Are they appropriate for your grandma? Are they even games? Everything will be settled here. Board games on trial. This week on uh, or why I always say like this week is like this month, <laughs> this episode, <laughs> this episode. Uh, on board uh for board games on trial, we. Were, of course, we played Ghost Stories, so we're playing co-ops. And we played in, uh, quite a few co-ops in the in the past. Uh, 
So we decided we'd talk about uh, the aspects of the co-op games, what we like, what we don't like, uh, what, we, what we'd get to play, and just the co-op games that we played. And, uh, we decided we just that's what we talked about. So let's start off. Uh, I think most of what we're going to talk about probably going to stay away from ghost stories or at least try to maybe talk about broadly about it, but you'll hear a lot more about ghost stories in the strategy section, so who will start? All right, let's talk about difficulty. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's a big one. I wish you guys could have been with me <laughs> this past month when we were playing. They was crying because <laughs> we was losing. <laughs> yeah, well, I just, I don't want to play the Dark Souls of board games unless I'm playing Dark Souls the board game. <laughs> and it wasn't so much the difficulty for me. It was just like, and Jeremy, I'm sure he'll bring it up too, but the just the high luck element in it. And even though we do a lot of stuff to mitigate it, like ultimately, you know, we, we went on such small margins that just the luck factor still plays into that margin quite a bit. Well, uh, let's talk about another game that has dice because that, that's kind of the problem we were having with ghost stories is that you are playing with dice to try to exercise the ghosts. Uh, so you can try to mitigate that, but it's not always going to work. Uh, there's another game that we've played, not much, but flashpoint, uh, the firefighter game. It had dice. Yes. It has dice to roll where the fire starts. Oh. Uh, and how it spreads. Yeah. Now oh. you can predict. I'm almost. I'm pretty sure it had dice. Yes, it had. It had two d8s or two d20s or something like that. And you know that if if it hits somewhere, it'll explode again. Uh, so you can kind of tell where something may explode or where there may be an issue uh, when you can uh, mitigate it. But it just seems it seemed more fair using dice that way i think even i think most co-op games need a bit of a random variable aspect to them because if you make a co-op game that you can beat with the same formula same strategy every time and it works every time then it's not going to be very fun i mean something that you can just determine the optimal way a game's going to play out and the game plays out the same way every time that's not going to be a very fun game to me a game like pandemic hits that perfect balance of where you can put together a cohesive strategy, work together, perfect that strategy, but also has a little bit of a luck element with the, uh, what was the, like the city cards, the, uh, just the, the outbreak, outbreak cards. cards, yeah. So it still has a little bit of a luck element with the outbreak cards and variability, but you can still relatively, you know, execute a strategy over and over while still being challenged by the variable aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Carly? What about the difficulty? I don't know. I, I personally didn't have a problem. The I have, uh, in fact, the harder it is, the better, the more I like it, because it. I want something that is difficult. That it just doesn't give you the. Uh, it just doesn't give the game to you. I mean, when you're playing a game against uh, you know human opponents, you know they're not. Uh, Throwing it for you every time, uh, they're just not giving it e- giving it up easy to you. I mean, but the other thing I'd like to, uh, I'd like to think uh, like to say about it is that I, 
I don't think I think we came where the the difficulty of ghost stories was I would I'm honestly going to say is on par and you guys are going to disagree with that with just about every other game what made it diff- what made it difficult for us was that we were trying to play it like every other game we were trying to play it like a pandemic say you know, I mean, think about it. the times that we actually changed the strategy. We did well, and we won the last game because we didn't play it. We didn't just like go into it without what we were going to do. We didn't have a game plan. This that game actually needed a plan, which we'll talk about you know later on. But I mean, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Curse Temple, escape to Curse Temple. All you have is dice. And you can just get like all five of your dice can just, just get locked out on you in one roll, and you're over there screaming for your friends to come help you, and they just can't do it. You know, I, I mean, it, but also, I mean, with pandemic, <clears throat> why it doesn't have why it doesn't have the dice. I mean, we played you know a couple of games where, I mean, remember the first time you played pandemic? How fast did you die? How fast did we I won. Lose? That's how pro I am. I oh, won. Oh shit! I forgot. I forgot we had the pro pandemic player, <laughs> Lion. Seven, seven Na- epidemic cards, pro. He's nationally ranked. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> national rank liar. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, we even play games like later on where uh, the cards just you know you just got screwed. The well, how many cards deep do you go before you get an epidemic? What's the epidemic stack? Like five cards, and then you have an epidemic. Yeah. Normal yeah. level is four cards shuffled in. Four cards in yeah. an epidemic card. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I mean, uh, there were times that we were getting like the first two cities, and the first card was an epidemic. Two cities, and then the epidemic was on top of the next stack. You know, and we just got annihilated, and there was just nothing you could do. But or, if you if that doesn't happen to you, and it all works out, you can. Even if you have a bad, a bad, uh, a bad luck. Even if you have bad luck, where outbreaks start ch- uh, chaining, you can still. If you had a good start, you can still be okay. Yeah. And th- yeah. I mean, sometimes that's not the case. Yeah, there's still enough randomness in pandemic. You can get screwed from the get go too. Mm-hmm. Like I know Legacy, we had <laughs> yeah. some awful starting setups on some of our games. Oh, we, we lost just... on before we went to four four people yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Before we've had a complete two turns for everybody, <laughs> it's, game's over. We lost, and it's that can happen. I don't know if it would happen as often in regular pandemic, just because the different different variations of setup and that kind of thing. But yeah, if you're not ready to go tackle a problem area, it can spiral out quick. Same thing goes for a lot of those co-op type games where you have a map involved and you got to jump from point to point. Like Elder Tor, same thing. If you don't go take care of one gate, then it can trigger a whole lot of things. You know what the one thing about Elder Tor when we played it? It was like we were two hours into it and everything had been going great. And then it just went south within 15 minutes and the game was over. (laughs) Yeah, that can happen too. <laughs> that, yeah, and and it's not so. I mean, it's it's not that I'm against like a hard game or somewhere where you can just. It seems like completely randomly or out of the blue, the game is lost and you just get struck out of nowhere. I mean, because most games you can have some kind of plan going in. You can have something pre- prepared for. You kind of know what to expect for the most part. But then again, in Elder Tor, 
it can come down to a bad dice roll. Yeah. That you've stacked everything in your favor that you could. You only need to roll this result, and then it just doesn't work out. And it goes downhill from there. And the same sort of thing can happen in ghost stories, where rolls can screw you. That's really the only gripe I had, is how how imperative your dice rolls can be if you don't prepare for them properly. Like, if you're getting the tokens you need, and you're stacking up in the areas you need to, and moving ghosts around to where it's beneficial to fight, you know, with the covers you have favored, then, yeah, it works out. But you can get screwed really easily, <laughs> even with all that preparation sometimes. And that's really my only gripe. I think the difficulty is, I think it's fine. I bitched about it the entire time we played, <laughs> even up until we had the winning dice roll. But I still think if we were to play more games from this point, I don't. I wouldn't say we'd average out to 50-50, but we would have more wins in the straight six or so losses that we've had the first times that we played it. Well, you see, I mean, and that was the, that's the one thing, right? It was like the one time you win, you saw how you win, and now you can build just on that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and make it, I mean, because now I, I'm, I'm fully confident we could play again, and if we don't kill Wu Fang, we could at least make it to Wu Fang. And uh, uh, pretty easily, hands down. Okay. Well, here's something else that uh, that I thought of. Uh, so, like Harley was saying, a human human opponent is not going to uh, is is gonna is not programmed right, and it's not a luck. It's a person. So, what about our co op games where the adversary is a person? Better, like Pandemic with the Bioterrorist expansion, or um, Specter Ops, where you can play with a uh, tr- uh, Betrayer, or uh, what else? Well, now that's kind of hard because we never played Specter Ops with the Betrayer, actually. Well, I'm just saying, I'm listing off stuff. Yep. Uh, yeah, I like uh, a one versus many yeah. type of setup where the one adversary has, you know. The enemy AI with it, but they are ultimately in control. Then. Yeah. Uh, we actually haven't played a whole lot of games like that. No, in fact, I can be quite honest with you. I've only played one, and that was Pandemic, and you were the bioterrorist, and we only played one time. Uh, we played um, Dead of Winter. Dead of Winter oh, yeah. has Betrayers. That's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed, but it's there. Yeah. And we've had them. Yeah. It's a variable that probably I'd recommend playing with and get add a lot to the game. The only thing is you can get busted so easy. Yeah, I think the hit and roll aspect is different than one versus many going in. You know who yeah. the enemy is and you're all teaming up against them. It's different than playing the whole game out trying to keep the fact hidden that you are actually the enemy. Yeah. I mean, it's similar in that, yeah, we're all working against this person. But it does come down to how soon you find out and if you do find out or if you're just wrong, <laughs> yeah, you pin it on the quiet guy, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that also brings in Werewolf, the Inquisition, and uh, the Resistance. Well, okay, well, hold on. Those aren't co-op games. Technically, I would say they have a co-op aspect. Oh, okay. All right. Is, all right, all right, is go with human you. AI better than playing against cardboard? How can you have human AI? Human, you know what I mean. <laughs> You're walking down an alley. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just giving you a hard time, but yeah. Or we could have a game like Dark Moon, where it's hit and roll, but you have like half the team is part of the trader element. You figure out half who that half the team is pretty quick, and it becomes kind of a kind of a dually match between the two teams, even though it started out as mostly co-op. Or you're the trader and you had the best rolls of your life, and <laughs> you just you couldn't sabotage. <laughs> you can't take the game no matter what you do. Yeah, and, and everybody's like, "It ain't, it ain't hard." Couldn't be you. Your rolls are too good. <laughs> yeah, you're helping us out <laughs> too much. Throwing out so many pluses, man. Just, you're, you're the champion of the good team. It can't yeah. be you. It's like plus three again. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're saying it's got to be uh, uh, Melly's going. It's got to be you because it ain't me. And then Jeremy's like, it can't be. Harley's throwing out plus threes. <laughs> I like that aspect. <laughs> I didn't like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can understand that. But. Yeah. So, human opponent or cardboard opponent? Dark alley scenario. <laughs> it depends on the game. You can't say dark alley scenario. Yeah, there's dead. some that you You're can dead. ramp up the difficulty. <laughs> Jeremy's dead, too. And where are, the, where are these dark alleys at? I'm going to stay away from these <laughs> No kidding. They're behind the card shop. Got some board game, some board game maniacs. Well, let me tell you where the card shop is located. That is a dark alley because I know what's in that alley. <laughs> good discussion. Good discussion. It's like it just Jack. It like it just it just stopped because Jack started barking. Take a bark break. Yeah. So, I mean, but like, uh, like Space Alert. I mean, that was like program, uh, programming movements. So we're gonna have to get some windscreen. And uh, the if you just screwed up, you just screwed your whole turn up. Yeah. And that had no dice. That was all you. If you just didn't check, double check, recheck. If you decided you wanted to throw it down the wrong way. <laughs> All right, well, so I guess we're just going to stop with that. And what <laughs> mechanics uh, do we think this should be in call or shouldn't be in cause do or do we like? Dice. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think the emphasis of winning should be dice. And that's just where I stand. Because I've been screwed over too many times in Eldritch Horror or it really any kind of combat game or, you know, something that has a check where you've got this slim chance of rolling what you need. And then even stacking more dice on top of it still doesn't get you where you need to be. Then, I mean, it pisses me off. <laughs> I'm not going to say I won't play these games. I won't try them. I'm not going to say don't put it in your game. But if the entire emphasis of being able to win comes down to dice rolls, I'm not a fan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think we're if the core mechanic of the game to where there's something that the play each player is doing every turn is rolling dice for your main actions, then you know it this. It's going to be difficult. you got to have enough stuff built in to mitigate your rolls, or it's, it's, it's anger-inducing. <laughs> I think just anything, just on a broader sense, anything that fosters a lot of communication between the players, I think is the best aspect to include in a co-op. When it's stuff where you can, like, the game like Space Alert, where communication is absolutely critical. <laughs> well, this brings up something that I was thinking about with co-op games is always the alpha player. I mean, sometimes I I know I bark uh, I don't bark I know bark orders, but I have a a big suggestion of what you're supposed to do, and 
sometimes I'm not always uh, like, oh yeah, you know, but make your own choice. I'm trying to be like a, a, quite a bit aware of that because I don't want to be like, I, I, I personally don't want to be the, the son of a bitch that's sitting around the table saying, do this on your turn. <laughs> when I could, that would just be effectively me playing the game yeah, on my a, damn self. Solo co-op. Yeah. With people moving your pieces for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you're there for. But, uh, but yeah, I think you got to find the right balance of, you know, not armchair quarterbacking it, but at the same time, you know, kind of communicating, you know, you could do this, this, you could do this and this on your turn. That would be kind of an optimal turn. Or you can kind of, you know, kind of give them, give players options if you're pretty knowledgeable on how the game's flowing and what they should be doing, maybe. Well, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because it kind of, yeah. it leads more and more to the armchair quarterback. I think stuff. a lot of the problem with that would stem from having an optimal turn. Where yeah. if you sit there and think about it, there is the best turn for some certain player to make. If that's in the game then, and somebody can figure that out, then yeah, there's going to be a lot of quarterback. And like, no, what are you doing? This is clearly the better option because of these reasons. But if you've got, well, this could happen instead. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you think you're doing right now. It could totally change. So yeah, if you've got two or three different things that are viable options and the randomness is what's going to determine what actually happens, then yeah, it would cut down on the, the quarterbacking, but well, what what I was gonna say, quarterbacks <laughs> was is that the uh, the timed element of a co op game would takes the the quarterbacking out, but it, it allows the the discussion of maybe because you don't have time to argue, somebody's just gonna make the 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 player's just gonna make the, their decision uh, about what they what they're gonna have to do. Good or bad, but somebody can throw out suggestions. Like I mean, yeah. well, Temple is not the is not the uh, best example, but like Space Alert is because you're sitting there like, oh, here comes the ships. I gotta go over here and charge the batteries, and somebody's like, all right, I'm gonna go over there and start uh, blasting up the uh, firing the lasers off. You know, <laughs> it's just uh, stuff like that. The timed element actually takes the maybe the quarterback and out a lot. Well, actually, totally. And yeah, there was more communication in. Yeah, I would bring up this, this contradicts my previous point on dice being the main mechanic is bad, <laughs> but a game like Fuse, yeah, to where shit's happening so fast, you're all frantically rolling, you don't have time to pay attention to what other people are doing, you're just doing shit. And so, I mean, aside from the, the brief communication we do to decide who gets what dice, you're kind of you're doing your own thing, building your own cards, deciding what to do first, you know. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that ruins your your point about dice because I mean fuse, it is a dice game. Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole element of that game, and it it just decides what's going to go on your card. You got anything to add? Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. No, there's nothing that you uh, you dislike. I was going to talk about fuse, and then Matt said something. Well, so. say what you're going to say. Exactly what Matt said. Oh. <laughs> Concur. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think the I think that in certain groups, armchair quarterbacking could be the folly of many co-op games. Di- Fuse is great. Fuse is not an all-nighter game. If Pandemic is great. Pandemic could be a rack em up again Johnny game where you would just want to set the the game back up and play it again. Mm-hmm. Fuse would not could 
Fuse could not do a whole night. So when you have a game, co-op game, that is substantial, there is that element of uh, of armchair quarterbacking. Unless it's a game like uh, Spectre Ops where you can have a traitor or you have someone else you're playing against. Uh, or like um, uh, Pandemic with the bioterrorist. But even then, you know who the bioterrorist is. The other team could have a, a quarterback on there. Uh, I think that it, that is the downfall of co-op games is that they can be ruined by an alpha gamer. Yeah, but I mean, you just... The, the only way you mitigate that is just be like, shut your mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or I'll do what I want to do. <laughs> and I mean, sure, you can say that, uh, but there's plenty of, of uh, betas out there who will just take it. Well, that's true. They're happy you came over to play their board game with them. And that goes back to... A discussion topic from previous days gone by of dealing with problematic players, and to where kind of the, the social contract that you enter when you step to a board game table, you know, it's just board game is not made for too many alpha gamers. That I don't think it's just no one's gonna have an adorable time with. Unless it's like your first time and you really have no idea what you're gonna do. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, even then, you wanna. I think you probably want to give them. You want to give them options, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, but yeah, I, I mean, just like, just like I said, you know, hell, I mean, uh, we had an eight-minute discussion on what we were going to do in Ghost Stories, <laughs> and I wasn't even sure on what turn it was <laughs> in the end. We were still in the process of, of intern, if we want to use a yin-yang for something specific, and we hadn't even drawn a ghost out yet, because that was my turn that was coming up. Yeah. And we're trying to decide what should we use this yin yang for. And we discussed all these options. <laughs> and then we drew the ghost and everything went out the window. So yeah. Yeah, just keep keep mind of your turns and call it discussion might be for not if you just draw that one ghost card like, well, now there's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> well it's like the last game we won or there was two times that I had a plan and I discussed it with everybody before we started and just see what they thought. And I told, and even in the last game, I, when everybody, when they picked their side for their monk, if they didn't pick the side that I was, that I thought would have been most beneficial, I said, uh, I made an argument for the other side. And then I was like, but choose what you want. And Jeremy, he, he went against my argument. Matt went with my argument. Uh, and I think Zachary, I don't, I don't remember. I think Zachary picked what I was, what I would have been arguing for. And so, I mean, that's just, I don't, wasn't trying to be, I, I, I wanted to try my plan, but at the same time, I didn't want to be like, yeah, you motherfuckers got to play my plan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know what? When we've been talking about this, another thing that has come up in my mind is I think the theme of ghost stories, even though it's a, uh, even though it's a board game, and you're fighting ghosts. Uh, for some reason, it just seems unfair because the ghosts are sentient. I mean, ghosts are sentient, right? They show up. Black Widow shows up. It's a person. Sticky Feet shows up. It's a person. Uh, 
Fire uh, is just fire. Disease is just disease. Zombies are forces of nature. Uh, but ghosts make it personal. <laughs> that's why that's why defeat is so bitter in ghost stories. It's because Sticky Feet did it. It's not fire. <laughs> it's not the black disease. He's got a name, and that's what killed you. <laughs> I never thought about it like that, honestly. Oh, man. I'm going to pause it real fast. Yeah. I guess so. Oh, no. There went my mind. <laughs> so, I guess the final verdict on co-op games, do it or don't do it. For me, I would say... If you're new to the hobby, don't do it. Play Settlers of Catan. Oh, God, do not do that. <laughs> because if you're just getting your scrub lord friends who you don't know if they like games or not, and uh, they want to be alpha gamer, don't play Pandemic. Don't play Ghost Stories. Play Settlers of Catan. <laughs> or, play it, or, uh, or play it with uh, everybody that's never played it before, and then you can't have an alpha gamer. That's not true. I guess that is. Tr- I guess that's right. I would argue the opposite. Really, it's where I, I think to me, like co-op games are some of the least intimidating games to get into. That's true. You forget because you're you're all working together. You know, you're, there's not competition between the people. You aren't like pressured to make a bunch of decisions yourself. So I mean, they seem easy to get into. They have the community effect of winning as a team or losing horribly as a team. To me, I think they're good to get into. Really, I, I like it's just, if I'm just feeling like a fun game. I want to play a co-op game, as long as we're not with you know a bunch of jackasses. But usually we're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've been pretty lucky on that aspect. I kind of have to agree with Matt. I think the right co-op game with the right group can be kind of a nice entry point for a group. And hell, you don't have to be the quarterback. You can just tell people how to play the game and kind of supervise. Well, it sounds like another name for quarterback you can watch them play <laughs> and let them know what their options are and see if they can figure out the game's mechanics and what they need to do well the supervisor he, I, I wouldn't say he's quarterback he more like just sits in the armchair and watches the peons work <laughs> and he's like i don't care i'm getting paid anyways <laughs> i don't know I, and i'm just playing devil's advocate just buy pandemic don't buy Catan. <laughs> jesus please don't buy Catan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, what are some of your favorite aspects about uh, co-op games? They fun. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I like it because you're not playing against each other, and so you can all celebrate a victory uh, that you all get to. Because they're they're just like big puzzles. That's true. A lot yeah. better than sitting around trying to make a. A thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle put to go uh, go together. Yeah, yeah. I like the the shared victory and the laughing at yourself during defeat. You know, it's it's easier to take a loss when it was everybody's fault and not just your poor decisions <laughs> against everybody else in like a competitive game. Well, let me tell you, folks, it was it wasn't no uh, there weren't no smiles on people's faces uh, for four games. <laughs> not on my faces; they were in my heart. <laughs> I had a I had a good time playing all these games. <laughs> But a good time can be enhanced with the shared victory. Yeah. Hopping Vampire had a smile on his face. (laughs) Stinky beat. The hope killer. Killer of hope. All right. So uh, that's going to round us out for uh, this this episode of Board Game on Trial. 
Dun dun. Nothing. Nothing. Do nobody. It. Do co-op gaming. Well, yeah, definitely do that. Don't ever uh, shrug off any games unless it's uh, Catan. <laughs> then you just throw that right in the garbage can. <laughs> I like how it's like every time it's like Catan is the the evil. <laughs> All right. Ghost Story Rules the Stretch coming up. Ghost Stories by Antoine Bauza, published by Repose Production. Each player receives a random monk board on a random side. Each board has two different abilities a monk can play with. They receive three chi tokens, a tau token of their monk's color, and a yin-yang. We played on the beginner setting, so we started with four chi, and we each got a, a black tau token. Randomly placed the villager tiles in a 3x3 three three grid, and then place a monk board on the edge of the villager tiles. Make the ghost deck by randomly selecting an incarnation of Wu Fang and then shuffling it with the, the last 10 cards of the ghost deck and then place them on the bottom of the rest of the ghost cards to complete the ghost deck. Each player's turn consists of two phases. First is the ghost phase. First, the ghost actions. Haunters move, curse ghost, uh, make the player roll a curse dice. Second, if the player's board is overrun with ghost, the player loses one chi token and then takes his turn. Otherwise, there is a ghost arrival. Third, the ghost arrival. The active player draws a ghost and places it on the appropriate player's board. Red ghosts go with the red player. Blue ghosts go with the blue player, etc. A black ghost must be placed on the active player's board. If a ghost cannot be played, uh, like a, a red ghost is drawn, and it cannot go on the red player's board because he already has three ghosts there. Then the active player gets to choose whose board it goes, uh, whose board it goes to, as long as they have an open ghost spot. It can even be his own board. Next, uh, it goes to the player's phases. Some players' abilities make you take them before the player actually moves his monk. So if it's if that's the case, the player uses their ability if they choose to. And then they may move. They can move in any direction, including adjacent one space. After they move, they get their choice of either they get to use the villager tile that they're on, or they can try to exercise the ghost that they're next to, if they are next to a ghost. If you're on the middle tile, of course, you'll never be next to a ghost. To exercise a ghost, you must equal the ghost's, the ghost's resistance. You need to roll the, the dice... Uh, most players get to roll three dice and try to obtain the right color. So if it was a green ghost, you're always looking to try to roll green, and you can only use green Tau tokens on those ghosts. You roll your three dice. If you match, if the ghost resistance was three and you roll all three green, then hooray, you've defeated the ghost. But that's probably never going to happen, in fact, or that's rarely going to happen. I'm not going to say never because it did happen for us. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of people that have played this game. But the most common way that you're going to defeat a ghost is roll the dice. Maybe have one, maybe two of the color that you need. And then use Tau tokens of the same color to defeat the ghost. If you are on a spot uh, with another player, you both uh, he can sh uh, the other player can share their Tau tokens with you to help you to defeat the ghost. Lastly, you can place a Buddha. If you've obtained a Buddha on a previous turn, you may place it on an empty ghost spot that you're next to.
play continues like this until either the players have defeated the incarnation of Wu Feng, in which in which case the players win, or the players lose, or the players lose, either by all players being dead, the third location in the village becomes haunted, or the last ghost card has been put into play while the incarnation of Wu Feng is still in play. To the strats. All right, so ghost stories. As we were alluding to in our uh, four games on trial, we had four losses, one win, one actual. The second uh, game, we had a real decent shot at winning. It was, a, it was an all or nothing dice roll. Is what it came down to. Got nothing. <laughs> Got nothing, but <laughs> we had a legitimate shot at winning. <laughs> well, uh, I would like to. I've been. I almost texted this texted this out to you guys uh, earlier. We can only feel half good about our win. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> come on. Man. Are you ready to hear why? And I must have seen this rule five fucking times going through the, going through the rule. Actual setup. Random. The village tiles. Check. Random. The monks. Uh, the mm-hmm. players the signs? No, the... Oh, no. Random the monks. So everybody randomly gets a color. Yeah. You don't get to choose your color. You don't choose your order either. And no. Uh, or can you still choose your you order? Can, I mean, it, it goes by first player. So, I mean, technically, we would have chosen first player. He would have got a random thing. He would have got a random color monk. And then we would have went in player order. So that would have been fine. Uh, random sides. Yes. Random what? Random sides. Sides of the monk? Yes. So not only was it you couldn't choose your your monk color, but you couldn't choose your monk side either. Mm, we're just as bad as all those scrubs who set their village up. <laughs> However, if you read, uh, most people most people uh, not only set their village ups, but they chose their own. <laughs> I mean, that's that's part of the uh, things that I was reading on the board game geek uh, today under the strategies when I was looking at what other people uh, were trying, what they were saying. Uh, almost uh, every one. Nobody did the entire setup, so we only have to feel half half bad. No, we can feel all bad because we beat the game on novice and we still cheated. We this game we that's a cheat. That's a cheat. I mean, uh, we put the game did. genie in. Yeah, but I mean, really, everybody is, put the game genie in. Though. Is one side or the other really better than the other for oh, each of the? I made arguments things? for for, uh, for it. <laughs> we chose sides based on what Harley suggested, and it it helped. If I, I mean, could, but I in could. some of the other games, we chose just kind of whatever we wanted. Yeah, I mean that, and, that there, you know. that's true. Uh, however, for it to be a legit win, <laughs> that's how it would have had to have been set up. But how how if you do that if you do the setup every time and you're just playing novice, how is the win loss rate forty sixty? I don't I don't even know where that number's coming from, Jordan. Check your facts. Well, I mean, I know it comes from Jordan, but I don't know where Jordan got it. Yeah, so, I think that number is heavily influenced by setup. people not setting it up, right? Yeah, I, I think if you read on the forums, everybody, even somebody strats, it starts off like, well, we lost uh, five games doing setup right, and uh, now we constructed the villager tiles the way we wanted, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we chose these sides, and hey, we're winning, you know? So I would say random side should be just another variable 
to try and make things a little more difficult if you want. If you're tired of playing the exact same sides every game. I'm going to argue against that. Nah. And I'm going to tell nah. you why. Because while you didn't choose the side that I wanted you to choose, and we still did okay, Zachary chose the side that I would have chose anyways if we were if we were doing it. And Matt initially wasn't going to choose the side that I was want, that I was going for. Uh and the only uh, the only thing that I actually had control of was the fa- I mean, and even you took the green monk to begin with, and you ended up giving it to me because I said that's what I was gonna do. Yeah. But uh, that thinking about how if that was the setup, and then you could go with an initial plan like that. Let him let him in. It's uh, I think that. You could completely random it, and if you do, if you sit there and think about it for a second, take 10 minutes before you start playing and look at where everything is and what order people are going and develop a cohesive plan, you have a better shot at winning. Because as we discovered, (laughs) if you had a cohesive plan, you got farther, you got a chance to win, and in our last chance, it was like, I mean, granted, we got lucky with, the type of ghost that we had, but our boards were more or less clear. So if we had to go on and we couldn't get her, we could survive a couple more rounds without getting completely stomped. Yeah. I mean, that, and that goes into the you know typical board game element of doing, you know, making do with what you got, essentially forming the, op- the optimal strategy from what is presented and what is revealed. Yeah, and that and was that, that's what we did well in that final game. But that was something that we didn't do at all in three of the games. Yeah. And the one game where we had a legitimate shot and we just lost to a dice roll, but we also didn't like do our do the strategy, you know, extremely well. We were Johnny on the spot with the last game with that strategy, but that's what I'm saying, Ghost Stories is a different type of co-op game. Anything else? It's something that you have to look at the entire setup, and you can formulate a strategy. It ain't always gonna work, cause you, yeah, you're gonna have bad rolls. You're gonna have a bad. You're gonna have a bad ghost stack. We saw that in a few of the games, and that's just what ruined us. But it, <clears throat> unlike pandemic, where as long as everything is going good, or some of these other games, you don't have to start off with like. Okay, move all ghosts to this board, or move everything over, uh, move everything to side A, and then be prepared to jump over at C if something comes up. Most of the time, you're just like, eh, we're here, go, here's set up, play a couple rounds, you start formulating what you're going to have to do. Get. <laughs> yeah, I think where we failed the most was. We tried to do a little too much on-the-fly strategy in the early games to where we kind of was like, oh, yeah, but we're doing this. You know, I should probably do this this turn. We didn't have too much of a overall cohesive strategy, you know, like like in the last game to where we had, no matter what, we had to keep all of our powers. And we had to kill uh, whatever else we were doing. But, uh, but in the previous games, we were just kind of we just flying around doing shit. You know, shit went bad. We kind of <laughs> dealt with it. And, you know, it just... I don't know. Well, I mean, it's like the, the one of the games that we played where uh, was Zachary was the blue monk, and he had uh, the power to uh, 
activate uh, either exercise twice or activate a villager tile twice. He was going and picking up Buddhas, and that was I, – I even read this on the board game uh, – uh, on a board game geek strat – some of the strategies people were talking about in the forums, and they were doing it. Some of them were like, that's essential. And I was – and I didn't understand how that was essential because there were a lot of turns. Zachary was just uh, ineffective. Yeah. The, it, I mean, it was working for a while. I mean, we'd be off of a turn, you know, where we wouldn't get to place when we needed to, or we'd pick up and have to wait a turn before we had, like, say, a corner clear where it's optimal to place mm-hmm. them because you can place them both at the same time. But the game we did try and adhere to the Buddha strategy, it went well for a while. We had a nice clean board all around, and then... It's it's the it, thing <laughs> is, whenever, whenever one thing goes wrong with that strategy, the whole game went sideways. Yeah, that yeah. like the Buddha strategy depends on being able to keep a corner and most of the board clear on its own before you can place Buddhas, and that's just unrealistic in this game. You, yeah. You're gonna get, especially with all the additional spawn cards where you yeah. get multiple ghosts in one turn. The chain you know, is what got us on that one. I remember. We, yeah. <laughs> no matter how we, no matter how well you're playing it, your your boards are gonna fill up yeah. on a turn, unless if you're just got some ridiculously good strategy. But you know, well, I mean, just. But remember, so even on several times uh, when the corner was clear, what else was Zachary going to do besides just move? I mean, and like maybe the villager tile wasn't worth it. Yeah. And you always you always place Buddhas at the last. So even if it would have been like a, uh, the villager tile where you get a chi and a cow token of your choice, but you got to draw a ghost, those ghosts could have took over those spots. And especially with uh, that monk's ability, you couldn't be like you, you couldn't be you couldn't say I'm gonna activate a villager tile and then I'm gonna fight. You had to either activate the villager tile twice or you had to exercise twice. You didn't get a you didn't because naturally the flip side of that was fight and activate the villager tile. So, I mean, most of the time when Zachary had both Buddhas, his turn effectively was move, do nothing, place yep. two Buddhas. Yep. I mean, even if just the fact of placing two Buddhas is still essentially killing two ghosts, which ain't a bad turn. But the problem is that it takes two turns to pull off. So you're essentially still just killing one ghost a turn. Yeah, and then it takes another, depending on where the Buddha tile is, it takes two turns to get back to the thing. Yeah. Unless you're just, uh, we the when we used the strategy, it was because we had the Buddha tile in a corner. Uh, but mm. even then, you're you're wasting the mobility you have as a monk. Uh, and if you don't get like we were, uh, I, the Buddha tile was in the red and green corner, so I can pick up two Buddhas. Well, next round I got to do something, and I got to be in a corner if I want to put them both down. Well, I can't get to any other corner. So if the we went around the table and there wasn't a green and red ghost, or a black ghost drawn on the green or red tile's turn, then it's a waste of turn. Unless you go and. Use somebody else's turn to move it, but yeah, and that's more than you want to be doing. You want to, you want shit to land on it just by itself, so you don't have to use someone else's turn to to move the ghost on it. But yeah. moving the ghost on the boot is also valid. Move your mic up, up. like just up when you're pull it pull it up like this just a little bit, just like because when you're turning like that, I'm not hearing you. It, that's yeah, that's, that'll probably work better. All right, I'm sorry. I just had to tell that because you were. 
Oh. The other thing was is that if you had to move it, then the most optimal person to go and use the Swiftwind uh, village tile was the Blue Monk. And so if that wasn't in the middle or if that was on the other side of the map, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Buddha's going to get spiked. The, the Buddha strategy is a good strategy. It, I just don't think it's... It's too dependent on uh, draws and luck. Because when it went bad, it went bad, and you're wait. And it's because the reason it went so bad is because you're spending so much of these actions that you can be using to do other stuff to pick up stupid ass Buddhas. <laughs> it would be better if anyone who lands on a Buddha pick one up, and then you're running around with it because because Confucius say you can't lose a Buddha. That oh, that is entirely true. Whereas you could lose Tau tokens to Ghost, Chi tokens to Ghost, you cannot lose a Buddha. So the Buddha is actually the best thing to pick up if you can, if you're if you're on an off turn. Yeah, it doesn't take an action to pick it up, doesn't it? Yes, it takes. Oh, it does. You oh, have to doesn't actually place tile. it. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. But yeah, I mean, so, I, but if you do use the Buddha strategy. Know that it is not going to last forever, and when you start seeing it getting bogged down, yeah, stop. Abandon yeah. ship. Yeah, it won't last forever, like that cold November rain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing, uh, what what other things did we did we try? Well, what, hang on, before we get into what we try, what do you think about? There was a uh, strategy on Board Game Geek uh, that we didn't use, uh, the machine gun monk strategy. Okay, well we can't, we didn't exactly use it. But we kind of did take that turn because it, in our last game, Jeremy hit it twice. Uh, we just didn't stand uh, on the sorcerer's uh, hut to kill ghosts over and over. So basically, what the what the machine gun strategy is is that you have the uh, the blue monk. He has the either exercise twice or the activated villager tile twice, and he essentially kills himself on the sorcerer's hut to eliminate uh, two ghosts every time on his turn while somebody else uh, reses him. That's yeah. essentially what the machine gun strategy is. I think it is a bullcrap strategy to use going into the game. The yin-yang you lose from killing yourself is way too valuable. Oh, that's something. Yeah, if you do die, you lose your yin-yang. And that, that saved us a lot. That that was essential to our, that was part of essentially to our win, because you're bur when you're doing that strat you're burning the other person's turn. So really, so you have someone whose whose only job is to sit on the graveyard and bring you back every turn. Uh, and when you do that, they got to roll a curse die. Oh, not after that side of green. Yeah, that's true. That's why green is the reser because they don't Ooh. have to roll curse die. Uh, but if you're playing not by the game genie rules, but the real rules, you can't guarantee you're going to have yeah the non-cursed die rolling green. Well, yeah, basically the strategy is unusable if blue doesn't have the double action and green doesn't have the anti-cursed die. There's just no reason, no reason to do the strategy if you don't have those two. Here's something else. Probably also, if you don't have the red man, uh, the red guys, uh, the red monks' ability to move them. 
at the beginning of their turn because there's yeah. no guarantee that those two tiles are going to be together. In fact, it's more than likely that they're going to be at least two spaces away from each other. And that would take you two turns just to move over to the sorcerer's hut. Yeah. Because you res on the graveyard. Yeah. I'm still interested in trying that strategy sometime because I just want to see the raw efficiency of guaranteed kill two ghosts every turn. Except for the one turn you're bringing them back, I guess. I forgot. I don't know how it sequences out. But, I mean, because it seems we had so many turns where, like, we killed maybe one ghost between four of us, you know, late game, if that. Other times we're just kind of gathering resources. With that strategy, you're guaranteed machine gunning down two ghosts every turn. Yeah, yeah. Even if well, you know, even if the green man is using his action the, the entire time. But then if you're jumping on that on that ghost train where they just keep chaining and chaining and chaining as they come out. I mean, that's what the uh, at least from what I understand, that's what the strategy is built to do. Is you you take out more than's coming out to where your board is almost clear when it gets to kind of the late game. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's talking about where uh, how like how we had a bad uh, ghost stack. Yeah, yeah. And that's what the other players are for to pick up the pieces. Yeah. But, I don't know, well, like I, said, I could see wanting to try it. I just, every time that we did, well, you're going to be the man who moves us all around, or you're going to be farm man. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it would just, assigning a singular action for somebody just seemed to, um, it seemed to limit it so much yeah. that you just get in a bind. You know, something I got to, I got to reading uh, about reading while I was reading on Board Game Geek, is that a lot of people are playing this game uh, solo, and but they're playing it like they're playing it solo, but they're playing it like four people, so they're not using those they're not using the tokens that you would normally use to activate a monk's ability. Instead, they're they're the one person for all people, and they were playing it solo like that. And I'm wondering if maybe that's not where the machine gun strategy started, or where some of these strategies. Um, started working out because yeah you're right why you're just gonna sit there the entire time <laughs> i mean while, while i'm down to try it uh it doesn't yeah. seem like it'd be all that all that great yeah that'd be a boring role so it's like are right, you dead again green do it yeah you're done <laughs> he's dead again green do it you're done <laughs> or, or blue go over there and kill yourself yeah <laughs> walk back <laughs> yeah that'd be a game where just red and yellow the only one's actually playing the game yeah green and green and blue would be on autopilot yeah, they'd just be sitting there playing with their phone. Like, oh, 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 yeah, okay. I res him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so yeah. What did you guys, uh, since we didn't play random sides, what about the sides of the monk? How do you, what do you, what do you think about those? I'm uh, for them. Well, psh, come on, guys. <laughs> on blue, I think the double activation or double exercise is probably the better option. Honestly? Honestly. I, would I think argue it that. helps to mitigate your shitty dice rolls sometimes and helps you farm two times. You could, If you got two really bad threats, you could take them out on one turn. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I play blue quite a bit, and while the double action is pretty nice sometimes, I found in most situations I would rather have the village and exercise in the same turn. There was just so many times where I needed to kill something that needed to be killed right then, but also still build up something to where I could do, you know, build, either get tokens or you know, do the sacrifice, you know, just do other utility actions when shit's hitting the fan besides just try and kill two ghosts. I mean, you know, it kind of depends on the, what the rest of your group's doing, but most of the time I felt like I needed to do 
exercise and generate resources for the next turn with some you know some fashion. Yeah, there were there were turns. I only played blue once where I would have man, it would have been nice to be able to activate this tile and try and fight, but And I found it happened more like late game when the board is just getting overrun, the shit's going south everywhere. I felt there was more times where I needed to use the village utility and still fight something in the same turn. Early game we're just blowing shit up, you know, the double action's fine. You can just go around blowing shit up, gathering shit up, and it's not too big of a deal. Yeah, there are some turns where you'd win the combat on the first side. I'm like, well, shit, now there's, yeah, there's half there my ability quite wasted. A bit too. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, but at the same time, there would have been times where uh, exercising using the villager tile would have been, you know, wasted too, especially if that villager tile underneath where you were fighting was like uh, the graveyard. Yeah, yeah. it just depends, yeah. kind of depends on the board setup. If you've got yeah. something that is going to be good all around, no matter what you choose to activate and still be able to fight, then yeah. But if you're just moving to a corner and not really doing anything helpful with your activation then you're just fighting and half as efficient as you could be it's just situational probably like every ability i would say well you know it, now that that's making more sense while uh after uh after reading that that the, that setup is all random all the time that makes more sense the you know why because i mean yeah i mean we were we were doing villager tiles uh, we did uh, the game we won uh we did we did a random villager tiles. We chose what color we wanted, and then we set up our uh, our player order too with the sides to have like the most efficient. Uh, I mean, even though that was wrong, the it turned out pretty good. But like I said, I, I'm pretty sure that you could you could mimic that no matter what. I mean, because if you had, let's just say, if you had uh, the blue with a double. Uh, with a double, either double exercise or the double, uh, uh, what do you, or the double exercise or double builds your activation, depending on what the, uh, the, depending on what the setup of the, uh, of the map is, maybe blue is in charge of that, of a specific sector because it does you no good to be, uh, where you change the towel resistance, uh, or, it does. It does the blue. The blue guy more, uh, more justice for that side of his uh, monk abilities. If he's uh, at the sorcerer's hut, where he can eliminate two ghosts. If he's at the the farming towel spot, where he can farm twice. Uh, if he's at a corner, where he has a, a good a regular chance of trying to take out two ghosts. I mean, because <clears throat> you did keep that one corner clear in our last game uh relatively good i mean there was just time you know times there was nothing you could do about it but for the most part uh that one that one corner between me and zach uh it was pretty clear a lot of the times and that's where we dropped the buddhas too uh so i'm almost thinking like depending on your uh depending on your board setup from going forward now that maybe that's how the blue monk is actually supposed to work is he gets a, he gets a certain sector of the map where he's most beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. There, I can are, some, see that. there are some tiles that do not benefit whatsoever from activating twice like the yeah. resistance or even pushback, a graveyard. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that doing it twice is not going to do much for you. 
<laughs> well, know, maybe the graveyard, depending on how bad shit's gone. Well, but, I mean, uh, the, the pushback technically could be good, right? Because it, it, he activates it once for one side, and then he activated another for another side. Okay, I forgot it was choose a side on the yeah. pushback. Yeah, it might not be so bad. Oh, it, it's funny. Uh, what reminded me of that was while I was doing the reading, somebody, their strategy was they misread it, and the way they played was when they pushed back all the haunters, they pushed them all back from the board, so <laughs> one person just stayed there pushing all the haunters back. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was easy. <laughs> Why didn't everybody win? 60%. 100% for us, Jokers. <laughs> yeah, we need some better, some, on the side note, we need some better stats out there. Some better board game stats <laughs> mm. for people. Because, I mean, and just anybody can report that shit and say they fucking want it. Yeah. But there's no proof to, if they well, played it fucking right. What about the Yellow Monk? Uh, I kind of like... His resistance ribbon after playing with it. It, it was nice. It actually yeah. does seem to be more flexible because you, he does not have to be there with you. Yep. You don't have to stack him with the other people to make use of his ability. So I actually prefer that one after seeing it in action and seeing how you feel. Yeah, it was. I was I was definitely a skeptic on that one at first. I just thought the tokens every turn would just be better. But yeah, being able to... Something I just thought of is that since you aren't using tokens very much, that's more tokens for everybody else. You yes. Know? The token... The token limits of four each ends up being a pretty big problem, especially early game. Especially well, with I mean, black. even most, yeah, yeah especially <laughs> with black. So just by being, able to, by being able to leave the rest of the tokens for everybody else while getting essentially the same effect is pretty good. And you have so many monsters that are immune to tokens, where you keep, your tokens aren't going to do shit. Yeah, and you can just set it up for somebody else. If you're not close to it, you can throw it across the map and set it up for your teammate to take out easier. It just yeah. it made like the the big four. Four color ghosts that made those so much easier because we're guaranteed to either drop the resistance on it, plus drop a ribbon on it, plus have just one token anywhere else, and we had a great chance of killing four spots pretty easily. Yeah, mm -hmm. being able to stack it with the resistance, it helped us because the four ghosts give you your yin yang back. And yeah. those are so damn flexible with what you're trying to accomplish that you can <laughs> you can definitely do something good with it on your turn if you know you're about to get it back as a reward. So yeah, yeah. being able to drop the fours by stacking that and the resistance. Like I think like I said, one token, it helps out so much. It does. Yeah, I think that was like the most impressive part of our win was when we had like all the freaking four color ghosts on the board at once, all in different corners, and we had no problem taking them all out. Yeah. We just methodically went through it yeah. and, you know, never came close to losing at that point. The only thing that we were trying to do was move uh, because all, all the four level ghosts all had cursed eyes that were going to happen every round. Yeah. And we I, the green board. Yeah. And we moved into the green board because I never rolled cursed eyes. You got, anything to, you got anything to add, my friend? No, I was waiting until we get to uh, what are good all-around strategies for each game. Oh, okay. All right. Well, all right. What about the Red Monk? Let's go with the Red Monk. Oh, Red Monk? Uh, I don't know. His abilities both seem kind of garbage. I guess being able to move across the whole board, I mean, it just, I don't know. He kind of sucks. <laughs> it's another one of those where you're, it depends on the boards, on how the Drew Village is laid out to where... A lot of times you don't need to move twice. You're officially moving to all your good actions. You're killing shit in just one corner of the map. To where other times, your shit's so spread out to where you just have to constantly move every turn and be that utility fly-around guy. Yeah. And well, like we did in our win, he was the village activator. So where he yeah. just went around doing all the important village actions. I guess if we were, if we were go back to go back and we had the Red Monk and we, it was on... I, I guess I would prefer the one where you can move someone else. Because... Uh, Moving someone to the center is always a good move. 
Yeah. Because they have access to the entire board on their turn. Uh, also, being able to stack people so they can share tokens on their on their turn yeah. is really good. Or just moving someone to you so they can you can they can share their tokens with you. Yeah, that that's true too. The one thing about the his uh, power, it, I think it's called Second Wind, where he can move anywhere on the board uh, instead of just one spot. He actually could get to the a, th- a threat faster and have a li- and have a shot, unless it was a, a, unless it was like completely out of his realm, where it's like a four ghost. But most of the time, uh, the ghost with the a resistance of four, they weren't they weren't haunters, uh, and they weren't going to give you, and they weren't an immediate threat. Uh, but more immediate threats were like Black Widow, where she locked all your Tau tokens, having and, dice locked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, where the Red Monk could effectively go over there and have a chance to take that out, so everybody else didn't suffer the penalty. And the other thing was, is that what is something else that's really devastating this game is the ghosts that come out and lock up your powers. Yeah, we yeah. we definitely made those a focus on yeah. that last game because yeah. if you don't have your powers, then you're you're really not contributing very much on your turn a lot of the time. That's right. Yeah, we did I, a great job. But I, I can't even remember a, a point where one of those restrict global restriction ghosts stayed out for more than a couple turns, really. Yeah. And, and it was only if we couldn't get them on the first time because everybody yeah. wasn't there and we needed to stack. That yeah. was it. And maybe... As far as silencing goes, someone would be would not be silenced for more than one turn. Yeah, yeah. The, those were we made those extreme priorities. Okay, so, uh, so what about the green monk? We think uh, was his good side. The the cursed dice, I think, is, yeah. ends up being yeah. better. There are just so much, cur- <laughs> so many cursed dies in the game, and they're all and cursed dice fucking bullshit. <laughs> yeah, when they come out, every time it gets around to the turn, as your pseudo reward for defeating yeah. a ghost <laughs> and just not having to roll that can help mitigate some of that bad luck because we, we we threw a lot of blanks on the curse die. We were yeah. getting lucky with it. We got screwed by it plenty of times too, like yeah. losing the token or losing. losing that last life that you didn't really plan for. Oh, shit, there's a curse die. Losing the village. Or, yeah, it's yeah. like losing a village out of nowhere. Just a third of the game just has to be over. <laughs> uh, what, what about, uh, I mean, but on that, I honestly thought maybe I, it had been a bad move uh, on my part to suggest that in, in the last game because like that never worked out in our favor where the where the reward was rolling the curse dice and it was me that was rolling it. It was always y'all. Yeah, it, you do really have to set it up to where you're the one killing the ghost, otherwise it's not doing anything. But that situation where we had three different four-color ghosts all with a recurring curse <laughs> die roll, give them a Harley, stack yeah, them yeah. up over there. That, that was that yeah. saved us at that point. Yeah, that was I think the, the second... Re- Go ahead, man. Yeah. I was, I mean, a secondary strat that we used was keep Green's board open at least a couple spots, so we always had the option to move something to him if we needed to. Yeah, because yeah. those recurring curses are way more devastating than a one-time curse as your reward yeah. for a ghost. Even though those suck, and I was killed by one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, recurring curse dice is a way more de- is pretty devastating, and to have a full board and not have to roll three curse dice. Uh, Saved us a lot. Yeah. The, yeah. the less you're rolling that thing, the better. So, not that his other side's bad. Rerolling is nice because yeah. rolling dice and not getting what you need sucks. Yeah. But you also get the fourth die on that side, too. Yeah. And you did just fine with four dice as you did being able to reroll, I feel like. Yeah. 
Okay. So overall strats that we used. Corners. Yeah, I think Stacking that's just apparent corners. though. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you don't know, now you know. If you're if so you good. have the ghosts in the corner, you can fight two demons in that corner. So what I mean by that, red and green are catty corner to each other. So if you stack your red ghost on the right side of your red board, uh, stack your green ghost to the left side of your green board. Now they're both surrounding a tile, and anyone who goes to that tile and rolls can exercise both of them. So maybe you don't get the ghost you want uh, exercised, but you got another ghost off the board. Yeah, and if and if people are with you and they have the tokens, you can effectively just go ahead and get them both at once. Yeah. Kind of along the same lines, and we kind of got into it a bit while we played, but I guess what are some overall strats that we used for deciding where the ghosts were placed? Like, either on our own board or on someone else's board. If they were haunters or if they were major threats, we tried to put them in the corner. Yeah. And things that just didn't do anything, we were stuck in the middle. That's I, I, that because we had yeah. the chance to do, we had the chance to try to kill two ghosts using corners. Yeah. And occasionally we would do, you know, depending on where someone was on the board or what they were planning on doing the next mm-hmm. turn, we could say, you know, oh, yeah, I could easily take that out, put it right here, and I'll take it out next turn. Or, you know, I can't take that out, don't place it in front of me, or, you know, stuff like that. So, I think in that same vein, moving ghosts don't just let them sit where they lie because moving them to advantageous positions is is key i mean you want to if you got people stacked stack your ghosts in the same corner make the most of you know each turn trying to get everything piled up to where everything applies to every dice roll go ahead uh, that's something else crafty we did in that most of the games but really in the game we won was uh navigating around the haunters to where moving them the turn before they would have haunt, moving them to the, the, the current player's turn so they have a whole other turn around the board to deal with them. That was pretty huge, I thought. That that gave us so much extra time to actually deal with the problem haunters. Just yeah. shift them around and give, keep them on the board longer. That was that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, moving the haunters to a, a better spot to make it to where maybe you had three more chances to try to deal with them yeah. or put them all with haunters where you could all where you could blast them all back, move them all back. Yep. Because you could only uh, you can only give them the finger once. <laughs> you can only give one board to the finger once, unless you're blue. Yeah. Also, the center, like I said earlier, is the place to move someone. If you can move someone, are you not sure where to move someone? Move them to the center. You are giving them the whole board. Yep. Yeah. As part of that moving a ghost action, you get to also move another monk, and yeah, throw them in the middle if you yeah. don't know what else to do. Because why not? Oh, it's important to know. It's not. Uh, it, it's mandatory. Yeah, you do have to move somebody. <laughs> you have to move somebody. It can be this. It can be the same person twice, but they got to be some. But somebody besides yourself has got to get moved. And sometimes that there was a couple of times where it was like that. That might be an issue <laughs> for us because we needed people in specific spots. And, but yeah, as long as you moved anybody to the middle, they could always get back to wherever they needed yeah. to be. It would really only come up if you were trying to stack for the next person's turn. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden you've just moved out one of your resistance tokens and now you don't have your stack. But Well, even with that, you just move the person who's next and they move right back to that, that tile. Yeah. The, I think the, the other thing is, is that what you really want, what you're really praying for uh, when you're with your board setup is that Buddha to be in the middle. 
Yeah. <laughs> because even even because there's going to there are times where you, un, unless you pull a problem ghost your turn can effectively be get a boot. And you could be happy with that decision and and now you have a safeguard against something that you could go place next turn. Yeah. And like Zach said with Having access to the whole board, that's most important for the Buddhas because you can go to either four, any four corner that's open and place two, potentially. Yeah. As to where if you've got a Buddha stuck, the Buddha tile stuck in one corner, you got to do some planning and work to place them effect- efficiently. So. And, like we said earlier, they cannot be stripped. Yeah. If it's the choice between farming and a Buddha, choose Buddha. Yeah. The only thing that you have to remember, the only downside to Buddha is, is that the turn that you pick it up, you can't place it. You have to wait a full turn to place it. That is the only downside to the Buddhas. But yeah, the fact that they can't be stripped is huge. But the other thing is, is that Buddhas do not affect Wu Fang, except for one incarnation, and you have no idea if you're going to get that incarnation at all. What else, Zach? Or anybody? Just stacking. <laughs> Stack your resistance. I mean, see what you have out there that's going to be difficult to deal with. If you got threes and fours of a color, change resistance to that color. Even if it's starting to get overwhelmed, then that's probably better than trying to fight something and not being able to take it out. Because you'd be helping out more if you're just making everybody else's odds better during the fight. So, Stack the resistance, try and stack the people. I mean, we reliably took out a lot of four-power threats without assassinating and without using Buddhas. We just went over there and rolled and took them out because we stacked up everything we had on them and just methodically killed them. Yeah, I would almost say that after playing after playing that, uh, that game, unless it is absolutely necessary, try not to use that Sorcerer's Hut because... You don't get the yin yin, yeah. You don't get the rewards. Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes you got to do it. Yeah. It's. I think it's really. It's honestly just better to lose a chi to uh, an overrun an board. overrun board than to lose the opportunity for that reward. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it you have to do it. Uh, may, it's better to lose that chi than to have someone die. So if you need to yeah. snipe, snipe your buddy because you can't clear his board, then do it. Um, and also, uh, d- don't be afraid to lose a chi from over on board. If you can, if you guys can logistically move ghosts to someone who has four chi, uh, it's better than just lose than you going down to two or three or uh, two or one. Yeah, I mean, and even if you have like. If you see Wu Feng's incarnation, uh, and you actually have a legitimate chance, die. Uh, I did. <laughs> I went ahead and I went ahead and my, uh, I killed myself uh, on the Sorcerer's Hut, so somebody's uh, board didn't get overrun, and they could have a legitimate shot at, yeah. at winning. You can be dead and win, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> tips for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the other thing. Uh, Man, I had it. Oh, well, here's something. Uh, The yin-yang, as a reward, if you know you're going to get them or you think you have a really good shot, use your yin-yang. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Use your yin-yang, pick up a Buddha 
or farm or yeah. do something because you'll get it right back. Yeah, and then you can use it again. Uh, you can use it the moment that you get it back. You just have to use. You just have to. You can only use it during your turn. That's the only stipulation. Uh, here's something uh, I was thinking of. You remember that the game? I think it was our last game. We want our. I think it. I think our fourth game was. It was either our fourth or third game that we lost. That we really got devastated by a bad ghost chain. You're, I don't know which I'm one it was, but one. I mean, you remember you remember us losing really yeah. bad that bad ghost chain. So in our last game, we pulled one ghost, we pulled a second ghost, and on our third ghost, we decided to spike it. I personally think that that was a good idea because we all saw what happens when you if you get a bad ghost chain, like Sticky over three, Black Widow. <laughs> if you get if you get a fourth a fourth and fifth on a ghost chain. You your board yeah. is clogged That's and people are losing cheese, and even though our next card after wasn't a, wasn't another pull ghost, and which would have been it was a black ghost that locked up all our damn towel tie uh, our uh, uh, towels, uh, which would have been effectively better to Buddha. I still think it was the correct move that we that we stopped number three, and get, uh, we stopped the third chainer ghost. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, that I agree. At least on that, on the on the point of to where when the the point where we lose a game or when we, the the point of no return where the game just gets fucked up and we we see the point where we lose the game has been on ghost chains and chains stuff that we just can't control that we haven't been able to plan for and all of a sudden like oh my god we got four ghosts that we can't do shit with now and it just spirals out of control from that yeah, point. The board gets filled up too fast. Everybody's losing a life on their turn and yeah. We weren't prepared for it. We had some people, you know, two life cuz yeah. they assassinated or something or and so for like, reason. Yeah, yeah, so proactively dealing with it even though it might not be the most efficient play, just killing that guy immediately prevents it from just getting out of control even if it might have been something we could have dealt with, you know, at a different point. Yeah, because I mean even even if say you did stop a chain, you still got two more ghosts coming. That gives you, you that that stops those spots from being filled up and gives you a chance to go and uh, try to deal with the other uh, maybe the other two that came out. Yeah, uh, you can still shift them around and yeah. stuff. You can move them to where it's your advantage. Whereas a full board's a full board, and you can't really do much with it. No, you can't. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the way the way that we won was first we identified. Uh, what needed uh, we identified the top threats so w- what we did was is we said okay if somebody gets a ghost of silencism no matter what you're doing everybody drops to go get that get, to get that monk unsilenced because a silenced monk we, we lost a game on that from uh, jeremy being silenced for like three rounds oh, yeah. yeah if you don't have your, your power you're almost worthless as a monk yeah those powers are the game almost then uh, we said, okay, it, it's the mo- it's the worst ghosts that come out. The ones that uh, they take your, uh, they lock your towels, they take your dice, or or they haunt, uh, or the second round. Well, e- even those were actually flexible because if we had to push them back, yeah. we could or move them around. Yeah, or move them around. How? But the ones that locked our towels and the ones that took our dice, they yeah. immediately had to go. So that's how, that. That's where we started. Other than that, we played. So we supported where we had to. 
we tried to take out as many ghosts as possible. We tried to keep uh, all the cursed guys with me uh, because I was the green monk. They couldn't roll a cursed dice. Uh, we changed resistance a lot, and I think that had a, a big factor oh, yeah. in uh, in how we won. Is that we we really were actively using that resistance uh, village tile. Oh yeah, they had nodding. Yeah, <laughs> I'd agree on all quality, quality radio. I would also <laughs> add that uh, as another possibly immediate threat is if you don't have the green monk ability where you're not rolling the curse die take out the recurring curse ghost because yes. rolling that dice more than not it's, it's going to be bad news yeah it's, it could be something you weren't prepared for like that last life oh shit my board's full i lost a life because this dies now i'm getting hit again then you're out again or you're dead yeah. yeah or the third village villager gets haunted oh yeah that guy yeah <laughs> yeah that, you can you can uh stop the the haunters sort of easily that cursed dice that just uh, always rolls and then haunts the village. You, there's no control over that. That's just bad. It's just bad news. Yeah. Not to mention that could start a ghost chain, <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I would say if you don't have that ability to where you could, uh, uh, the green monk doesn't have to roll the curse. They've got to be a top priority too. Yeah, the reward ones aren't so bad. I mean, you can at least kind of prepare for that, but yeah. the recurring ones are just awful. You don't want to roll that shit ever. No. And even then, I would almost argue, give it to the Green Monk. And this is why. Because if the if the Green Monk roll, rolls and it's lose a chi, that sucks. But okay. If the, green, if the Green Monk rolls, lose all his Tau dice, that can only happen once and he just doesn't take anymore. And that's effectively a blank side. If... Uh, if he rolls pull a ghost, that ain't great, but that's okay. Those are three. Th- there's four sides that you can effectively be like, that's a, uh, that ain't great, but that's okay. <laughs> what you don't want to see is uh, the haunt tile immediately. So you need that to at least be re-rolled, I would think, <laughs> <laughs> or give you a chance to miss that one. What was the third side? Or what was the what was the sixth side? There's the blank. It, there's the lose one chi. There's the lose, lose tile tokens. Draw a ghost yep. uh, on a tile. Have you had two blanks? No, I didn't have two blanks. What the hell's the other one? Five cents? Lose all your tokens. Get a haunter. Draw a ghost or lose a chi. Hey, two blanks. Two blanks. Okay. I guess it was two mm. blanks. <laughs> Well, maybe that's the reason why we saw more blanks than we did. Uh, yeah, I thought it was only one side. I <laughs> thought it was only one side, too. You still don't want to roll that shit. Yeah, you <laughs> I'm staying on that side of the fence. So, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe even if you don't pick up the cursed dice, uh, maybe you still give it to the green guy. I don't know. Uh, that'd be definitely worth trying. At least moving them. I mean, it, in the effect, if uh, treat them like a haunter and move them to where... It gives buys you a full round to have to deal with them. Treat them like a hunter is my R and B song. <laughs> <laughs> Man, hunters are bad. I mean, they, if they get out of hand, at, at least for the most part, they're kind of low health. I think there's yeah. some three health hunters, but again, if you're following the core strategies of stack shit, then they shouldn't be that big of a problem to deal with. Yeah, that's true. You just sometimes you gotta move them around, so you buy yourself that time. But at least they're not four health hunters that 
do other bad shit. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> well, however, there are uh, there are five black hunters that can't be rolled against, and they have to be taken. Or uh, three uh, three black hunters that have to be uh, that you can't roll against, and you have to have use to tau tokens. tokens. Yeah. They're they're not fun. Well, you can cheat that sometimes too. Yeah, lower the resistance. Yeah, lower the resistance and then uh, throw the old ribbon on them. <laughs> Say tie the old ribbon around your neck and exercise you. And one one other minor strategy, general strategy point is cycling through the tau tokens efficiently to where you don't get to. A, we didn't run into this too much except for like the black tokens, but we don't want to get to a point where you need to lower your resistance by something and you don't have that color available, or you just like have to have a token to kill something and it's not available. So you know, I'd say as a very general strategy, just try and spend those tau tokens as fast as you can to get them back in the pool for available for more crucial stuff. Yeah, because they are limited to four yeah, each. Only four each. So even if you use one to lower resistance, now you're limited to three. That's something to yeah. take into account too. And if you if you try to farm, uh, use the uh, villager tile to roll the dice and try to farm up tau tokens. If they're not in the pool, guess what? You don't get them. Yeah. So sometimes it's not good. I mean, it all depends on the board state, but uh, even though most of the times it's a good thing to farm, sometimes you just can't, and it's just a waste of your time. Okay, so uh, anything else? Anything else that you think? I mean, even think we did some right things, even in the games that we lost, and they just, it just, you know, we just weren't doing them to the full hundred percent capacity. <laughs> yeah, we had one that that one game. We had like the board clear like halfway through the deck, like completely. Yeah. We had nothing on the board at one point, and then it just yeah, yeah. Ghost, ghost chain, two chains. Yeah, two chains. This uh, <laughs> right the hill. Uh, what about our? Uh, I'm gonna call this a bitter strat of using <laughs> different dice. I see what you did there. Oh yeah. Well, you know, it, the tr- the the reason why I did that, and the truth is, is that that uh, that was probably. It probably didn't help at all was because uh, if you've read anything on the the making of dice, the a lot of them are off balance, <laughs> and you can just see that. And, uh, however, acrylic dice are supposed to be as close to balanced as possible because they can see the air bubbles inside, and you can see where it's unbalanced. Uh, we tried using different dice. I don't. I mean. All that did was just cause confusion. Well, let me tell you yeah. something. The what regular dice number? cause confusion. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, they need to, the red and the yellow need to be better. Board game the, the yellow needs to be doing? yellow. I know. Oh my god! Yellow and red were indistinguishable. Yeah, yellow, it's closer to a light. Yeah, orange. they both look right. orange. <laughs> yeah, you had to check just to make sure. Yeah, so we still had to do the, the either either way yeah. we did. We had to check and say what is what, what number is this or what color. Oh, hey! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. That is what I need. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I wish that had been. That's the one thing about di- uh, putting dice game dice in game. I wish they were all acrylic, or I wish they were. They checked them for the optimal balance. I mean, I know you can't all be. Obviously, you can't have everything balanced. Exactly, but I mean, I know you're not doing going to do a casino quality balancing, guys. But I mean, it needs to be at least half casino quality balancing. Also, yeah. the misprint on the repellent beauty. Oh my god, yeah. that thing! Every yeah. time it came up, what does this do? What is this? 
<laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty fun. We just didn't remember it, and we played it black, back to back, and I mean, we saw it every damn time. I'm still not clear on it. I know it has a shield <laughs> that's blank. Yeah. Is it the fact that the shield is not supposed to be there at all, or is the shield supposed to have I like the, the dice on it? See, I think the shield's not supposed to be there. That's <laughs> right. That's right. The shield's not supposed to be there. Yeah, we had to look that up every time. But, you know, uh, misprint I can deal with. <laughs> Poor dice just ruins it for me. But I think we had a I think we had a better ch- m- using the using the different dice uh just use the dice in the game. Deal with it. <laughs> As the motto. <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else that we did. Uh that that helped. I mean, I looked at a I looked at a lot of strat, uh, strats that people were talking about, and all of them revolved around them setting it up optimally. Yeah, to give them the best chance to go. And while while we half did that, our board was never set up optimally. Yeah, it was just like uh, maybe the Buddha was, the Buddha was in the middle. What one time? Yeah. The rest of the time it was either in a corner, in the middle, and let me tell you that's the worst spot. For a Buddha, for a Buddha village tile to be placed, is uh, in the middle of the rows, uh, on the outside row, rows, because all you have is all you can do is place one ghost. Even if you, I uh, mean, place one Buddha, even if you pick up two. Oh, let's talk about that. We did run into a little bit of problems with the ghost in the middle of our boards. Like how? I mean, what? you remember when we had uh, our ghost in the middle and we were trying to clear a board? Uh, because effectively we were always in the corners trying to clear two because that was like the best thing to do. But there was a couple of times where, I mean, look, no matter what you do, there's always going to, because if it's not your color ghost, it goes to the other person's board. And we ran into it where uh, a couple of times where Zachary's board was filled up before his turn. And even and even if we and we cleared uh, a corner, only to have his red card fill right back up, and we had and then we ignored the middle ghost because we put the most non-threatening uh, ghost in the middle that did nothing, but then we had a, a bad time trying to clear because maybe, maybe that ghost was like a one or a two. And then the fours got put in the corners where there was no way for us to get rid of them. But if we left the corner, then if one person left the corner, that screwed the entire stack. But maybe you were going to lose a chi. So I I don't know how to change that other than you're probably just going to lose a chi token and just put the most non-threatening ghost in the middle. But clear them as quick as you can. Because I mean, yeah. there were times we all had middle middle ghost, and we need to move it. Yeah, the problem with the middle ghost is they're they're hard to get to. It's not efficient usually because you just like move, and then you're like kind of stuck in the middle. You got to move again in your, your next turn. Uh, I I know in one game we used the red the red monk a lot to take out those middle ghosts. A lot of time he could do them by himself. They're pretty easy, and he could easily jump to yeah. either four of the of those the sides. But that's uh, they're, they're just they're annoying. It's annoying to deal with. It, it takes planning to keep those consistently off the board. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You just gotta get them when efficiently. Yeah, you had to get. I, I think. I, I think your downtime because uh, you're gonna you're gonna go through lulls. 
I think it uh, when if you can take out a middle ghost and it's not going to screw up an entire round, yeah. go for a middle ghost and get them out because there's nothing worse than having uh, a middle ghost you can't take care of and him sticking around all the time and you really got to get some go you really got to get at least two ghosts off because you can't go to two corners that's the, that that's the bad part you can't go unless you're unless you're the flying red monk and he's got all the tau tokens and the resistance is lowered just right he, you can't you can't clear uh you can't always clear two go uh two ghosts off a board and sometimes you can't even move to the middle so it I, that's that's what I'd say. I mean, we even moved. Remember, we even moved those middle middle ghosts because we couldn't take care of them, and it yeah. was better just to move them off the middle into a corner where we were. Yeah. That I, I think uh, w- we moved a lot during that game. Yeah. yeah, if you have the opportunity to move ghosts a lot, which in most games you probably should. Yeah, that, that's a legit strategy. Just to instead of not even messing with those four side spots, just Keep just keep your dudes in the corner and keep funneling them, funneling them to the corners. A lot of, if it's the board sets up right, that's a better strategy. Yeah, I think that because we I don't think we ever used that game before we started playing use that tile before we started playing this game for this show. Uh, I didn't even know it was a tile in the game, uh, so I think maybe other people are underutilizing that move a ghost and move move yeah. someone else tile. It's big. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, you, the thing about it, uh, the one thing I'd say is like, especially emphasizing to spend time to look at your board and your uh, your setup for your monks. Uh, I think that a lot of that comes down to, to what village tiles that you're going to use too, because I mean the village tiles you're always going to use is farm. You're 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 always going to use a Buddha. Those are always going to be effective in, in a game no matter what. You probably maybe even to a lesser extent the uh, the one where you get a chi, get your own uh, your own tau token, and draw a ghost. We didn't use that a whole bunch. However, if you need something specific, it's real good. Yeah. And uh, the resistance. I would think that would resistance. Work. I would think that that tile would work well with the uh, potentially the machine gun strat too. First, any any strat that you envision using that sacrifice village quite a bit it's where you can always even if you're getting the extra ghost you're getting the life that you could use to take care of mm-hmm. it and you're kind of effectively kind of going through the deck faster yeah which is kind of it's kind of net zero really but you're going through the deck faster but yeah i, I mean but it, but even on your down even on a downturn uh like uh a downswing like we were talking about it, throwing a, throwing one ghost out there isn't unless it, you know start your chain but <laughs> yeah it's a gamble it's a gamble but a lot of times I, I think we that was a little bit underutilized in our games was the getting the token your your chi yeah your chi and a ghost but. yeah well i mean we ne- i don't think we ever really used it because it, it wasn't it, not that it wasn't effective it would just screwed us because yeah. we had to draw that ghost it's I, one of those when the when the game is going well you can use that to kind of Improve your state a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. When a game is going poorly, you're not going to use it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think looking at your board setup is going to determine uh, a lot of what uh, tiles you're going to value a lot more. Because even it, because we valued the, the wind tile quite a bit uh, because I had the, I had the, we can't roll curses. 
you know, whereas if I didn't have reroll curses, we still would have moved them, but just maybe not as much unless it was pressure was coming. But even then, I don't know, maybe that, maybe that's even wrong to say, maybe you should look at that as like a premium. In fact, I'm going to take all of what I just said back and say, you need to look at it and look at that as a premium tile <laughs> because that's going to help you a lot more. Maybe even a lot more than farming, honestly, <laughs> because farming is random. Yeah, we had so many farming chances to where you only get one token because one of them is not there. Yeah, they're all gone. It's like, well, that was just kind of a waste. Or you didn't get what you needed. Yeah. Yeah. So, farming's another, in my opinion, another win more to where if the game's going well, man, go farm a couple tokens, it'll be all right. Otherwise, you're kind of of high potential of just wasting your turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you can get to a spot where you can readily share tokens between everyone, which is a possibility. That'd be... That's but even a, that's pretty hard to pull off sometimes. You know, uh, there the thing. You know, the funny thing was is that since you weren't taking any of the uh, the tokens a lot during our last game, and you were using the ribbon resistance, the the well, we also had our board was set up to where the corner that we were all stacked at, right next door to it, was the damn was the farming. But if we ever had to use, if we ever wanted to use like a, our um, our yin yangs, that's usually what we used them for. And because you don't have to be standing on there, if the uh, if the tau tokens were full up, if the bank was full up with tau tokens, I think that's uh, that was like the time that we were using our yin yangs. If we were going to win them back, uh, that's what we were using it for. Unless something was really going. Cool going bad yeah all right ghost stories final thoughts well i don't know i just anything else i mean do you have anything else no 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 so yeah uh honestly if you take anything from it make sure to have priority targets and and take a long hard look at your board I mean, that's that's not. I'm not even going to say that's a guarantee you're going to even win, but because things don't can go just in, go bad. Don't go in with your pickup Buddha man, and yeah. just decide that this guy is has one role. That's his only role. You need to talk about what everyone's going to do every turn. Yeah. Need yeah. to be as cohesive as possible. I mean, we just like we said earlier, we spent eight minutes talking about what we were gonna do <laughs> for one move. Yeah, and it ended up being like uh, we still had somebody else's full turn before it got to the <laughs> yeah. before it got to Jeremy's turn, and all that eight minutes of discussion went right out the window the moment that we drew the ghost and it went to somebody else's goddamn board. Yeah. <laughs> but we sit there for eight minutes and talk about it, folks. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, if you're, I don't know. I, I'd almost hate to say like if you're struggling to, you know, set it up how you want because uh, unless you have an actual cohesive strategy that you want to try. But I mean, I, I even though uh, I'm calling it a half win, Zach's gonna call it a no win. That's a full loss. I'm calling. It, I'm loss. calling it a full win. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I learned a lot uh, just from that. Just and what gave me the idea 
was the first time that we actually had the legitimate shot uh, of winning that uh, it, it could be done that way. And then maybe that's how it had to be done because the rest of the time we were just like, all right, who wants to be what? <laughs> this is what we're going to do. And we just go in all willy nilly. Yeah, it's like, start drawing oh, ghosts. Jeremy silenced. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's too bad. Your ability go sucks anyway. Oh, you <laughs> yeah. can only move one spot now. Who cares? Oh yeah. Like, up oh, both people signs. I'm gonna go find some tokens. Kill this other thing. <laughs> yeah. Now you want to have, I mean, pretty much like a full round of turns almost planned ahead, if possible. Yeah. I mean, a wrench can get thrown right into that plan, but you know, knowing what people are gonna try to accomplish on their turns upcoming, how someone else might be able to deal with what you see as a threat right now. Well, it's not an immediate threat. It can wait till it gets around the board, possibly. So just having a couple turns planned out is, I mean, it's like any, <laughs> any co-op game, any board game, really. Yeah, but this one is, it, <laughs> yeah. it is extreme. It is like, it is the most one where it's like, you want, you want to have an idea of what you're, what's, what you're going to take care of, what you're going to do. But if it, everything goes out the if if everything goes out the board on that uh, or everything goes out the window on that draw, you're not like what we're we gonna do. The sky's falling, chicken little. <laughs> you want to be like, I- I'm going. We're going right now. <laughs> yeah, I think that was like that was one of the biggest reasons I think we were frustrated in those games we were losing. I mean, we were taking the willy nilly approach to it, but there were so many times where we, or at least I felt like, like no matter what we do, we're just fucked here. Really, like you know, yeah. when no matter what, shit's still gonna go south, and we just can't. And so we're just kind of we're spinning our wheels here until the game is inevitably over. How do you want to die? I yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> I, I that's what you're planning for right now. Yeah, instead of instead of being more pro, uh, instead of we weren't we weren't being uh, active enough or proactive enough in yeah. to take care of what's eventually going to go sideways <laughs> yeah. because it's going to go sideways and sometimes it's going to go sideways on the first turn. Yeah, we were just reacting and reacting poorly. <laughs> yeah, we need to be. We need not to be reacting. Uh, we need to be uh, proacting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. What do you think? Don't do it. I say do it. Do ghost stories. Well, of course I, I say do ghost. I say stories. don't do it as your first co-op. <laughs> Ooh, I say yeah, cut yeah, your okay. chops on some of the other <laughs> stuff out there because this yeah. one's gonna turn you off to the idea if you're <laughs> yeah. not, if you're playing ten games and you're over ten. So I I mean it was one of the first games I played with you guys and. Yeah. <laughs> And then after she said, well, the, that's, uh, that was the best we ever done. I was like, shit, I didn't feel like we were doing very well at all. <laughs> How many that, times have y'all played this? <laughs> yeah, that was the original origin of the Sweet Strats crew. Yeah. We bonded over ghost stories, ponage. <laughs> yeah, she did. That, that's funny. That that was that was the original. The first game we all played together. We're like, hey, there's a guy named Jeremy. Let's play ghost stories. <laughs> Welcome I'm to not the playing with you guys anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Screw this. Yeah, so... That's the I think that's the best sweet strats gonna be able to give you with that, and I think it's pretty goddamn good because I mean, like I said, even though we're even though Zachary calls it a full loss, <laughs> I call it a half win. Matt's a full win. It's a what do you call it, Jeremy? Uh, I'll say the half win. I think <laughs> some of the setup, I don't think the randomness would really skew things that much. I mean, I, the part I feel the worst about is selecting our powers. Mm. I don't think randomly I mean, putting the monks. The only thing that would really, if you have like a determined turn order because of your seating then randomize the monks changes a little bit but not a whole lot so i don't feel so bad about that well i mean i mean, think about it we we actually set them we actually went 
in the turn that was most advantageous with the way the monks that we had set up with the powers. Kinda. Oh, we did. Well, we kind of. <laughs> I think I think this win only counts in if you're going by Tom Brady Deflate Gate rules. I'm saying half because we uh, because we actually it was it, the board was random, and while the getting the getting the powers not uh, you know not randomizing those maybe it's just strategy just to set up just to see if like. If if we did a cohesive strategy, would actually work? I don't know. I mean, I still I didn't think about you know the Buddha had to be in the middle. Some people are like the Buddha has to be in the middle. Now I will tell you one thing: uh, the rules for the expansion, when you have to escort uh, villagers out through the out through the or uh, what's it called the the circle of protection or something. I forget what it's called. But when you it says in the rules, start with that in the middle, and then random it. Otherwise, you you may never get the villagers through there. <laughs> the Buddha tile in the middle every time. No, 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 no. Uh, there's a the gate in the middle. Yeah, the gate. Oh, uh, yeah. It says put the gate in the middle. Hmm. So I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know how I missed that. You know how many times I read that. And I went right over it every time. And it wasn't until I got to reading everybody's strategies and what they were doing. And then they were like, oh, well, you have to, like, you're supposed to randomly do the villager tiles. I was like, uh-uh. And then I went in there and read, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then I almost ran in there uh, and got my phone and started texting you. I was like, you're not going to feel good about a win. And I was like, I'm just going to start that off and start this off. <laughs> during the- Good way some, to start some the show. Light, some live <laughs> reaction. Bumming everybody out. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I almost told him before when they were over here eating. I was like, oh, you're not going like this. <laughs> yeah, so two half wins and one full win. Uh, one full loss. I still feel pretty good about it because we learned something out of it. And next time that we do it, I think it's going to be a win. And then we're going to prove that 40% wrong. It's going to be 100% sweet stress. <laughs> All right, folks. All right. Well, also, uh, don't forget, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, like I said, it is just the podcast with a little bit of video behind it. And these the topics are segmented for your pleasure and sharing ease. Mm. And also get us on that Twitter, at Sweet Strats. Uh, don't worry about Facebook. No one cares about it. <laughs> Although some people are using it. Some people. Keep using it if you're using it. More people come use it. Or come like it. Yeah. Do something. Leave us a comment. That's yeah. really what I'd like to or see. Or email us. Sweetstrats yeah. at gmail.com. Or tweet us. So I tweet. I try to tweet at least twice a day. Twice a day. Twice a day. I don't think anyone who's listening to this appreciates that. Twice a day. Somebody, <laughs> somebody on Twitter does. Some people talk to me on there. Although I don't know if they're listening to the show. But hey, hey, if you're on Twitter and you're listening to the show, tweet me. <laughs> Baby. All right, I guess I'll do it for uh, this month. Hopefully, we'll have we'll be able to do scythe uh, for next month. Uh, if not, I don't know. Uh, we got a plan of what we're gonna do, and we don't reveal it since Zachary has vetoed that. <laughs> it gets revealed on Twitter. Yeah, we do talk about true. it on Twitter. We, we talk about it on Twitter after we start playing the game. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, so everybody have a good night or morning or evening. Or uh, afternoon. I guess that's kind of true, too.
chat. Are you gaming with me? Sweet. Stretch. Sweet stretch. Are you gaming with me? Are you gaming with me?